There we go. So we're not talking about that website now. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Don't start that again, Aura. <laughs> Well, he already killed it twice because of it. Yeah, don't start it again. Oh, sorry. No, I meant the yeah. Not again. You're the Def worst. Definitely don't go to that podcast productions.fireside.fm. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, probably that's for the best. So yeah, hey, listeners, I had a bit last time, but I, I used all my energy doing it. Uh, failed regard so this is that podcast we'll never do uh, a podcast where i am very old and have a very limited reserve of energy uh, i am a space warrior named josh and i don't know or as a some kind of fucking robot yeah cody's a damsel in distress here we are oh <laughs> there's the crew that's it oh wow you guys are both low energy i can't do this one of you, one of you, fucking pick it up. Let's get underway. It'll be fine. <laughs> we read comics. Funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's a funny game. It's a big hat. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. What did we? Uh, what did we do this week, Josh? Well, uh, this week I asked you what network we're on. Oh, I didn't hear you say that. It I flipped just, out. I was Sorry. just about to when you when you oh. jumped on my line. Oh, right. The head in the. Yeah. Non-existent script. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> so I still don't want you to go to uh, that podcast productions.fireside.fm. Please don't. Yep. You definitely will find lots of our podcasts there. That would be a terrible, terrible thing that will end galaxies. Uh, this is uh, that podcast we'll never do, which is a podcast where we take comics and we talk about them. Throw them in a blender. It's a, I don't know, it's a real special format, very unique. We invented it. Um, uh, uh, hang on. I don't know anybody else that does what we do with it. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of level of competence, sure. That's right. That's what I meant. <laughs> Nothing personal, Cody. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the only incompetent one here. The um, only thing I fix is if you guys start doxing each other. <laughs> Or apparently talking about certain websites. Or if you tell people that Aura lives at... Stop it! Stop it! Here. Not again! <laughs> Live in a van down by the river. <laughs> Alright. Uh, it's important to know that there's going to be... That we're super adult and edgy here. Uh, and we don't care. Facts don't care about your feelings. So uh, there's going to be swears and there's going to be spoilers. Edgelord, that's a compliment, isn't it? <laughs> Every time. Uh, so, <laughs> Cody, uh, what are we doing this week? Uh, we, we read some heavy metal and we read some metal herlant, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is, this, is it not the same thing? Sort of. Like, we'll, we'll get into it. In the history. Oh, he'll get into it. Uh, I guess that's a, good, uh, that's a good segue in, isn't it? <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's a, it's a jumping on point, but you'll have to go backwards a little bit. Yeah. Like all good research papers. Yeah. And uh, media res. 
I know the history super well, but uh, sometime in, I think, the 60s, these French comics artists like Michael Gerard, better known Actually, as Mobius, yeah. and Actually, what? I think it starts with the comics code might be your starting point. This code didn't take effect in Europe. Uh, but that's where heavy metal, that's why heavy metal jumps on. Yeah, but that's, we can get to okay. that. How about you handle that bit, all right? <laughs> I'm so 1954, the, the Comics Code Authority starts up. Okay, done. <laughs> All right. Uh, so starting in, actually, uh, 1974, uh, some French comics artists who were very interested in sci-fi, but not in the particular brand of sci-fi that is often dominant in the American market, i.e. superheroes, decided to produce a comics magazine that would allow for more experimental, uh, longer sagas. Did you see the Wikipedia bit where they were like, they wanted it to be a French edition of National Lampoon magazine? I did not. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I was like, I was like, wow, they would pick National Lampoon magazine as their... It was a big magazine back in the day. Like, that's where... uh the guy who went on to Animal House and then killed himself. Like that guy. Yeah. Came out of that. All those National Lampoon movies. Um, so, uh, Michael Gerard was one, probably the most uh, prominent of them, who also does art under their name, Mobius. Uh, another person who would work with it a lot is Alexander Jodorowsky, who's also a filmmaker who makes really impenetrable art films. And famously failed to make a film of Dune, which I guess he really liked because it then uh, he decided to make a sprawling, incomprehensible comics sci-fi saga called The Meta Barons out of it. Uh, so this magazine lasted for a, until about 87. Then uh, it went tits up, as they say. And then they started publishing again from 2002 to 2004. And once again, sunk. Uh, so why are we talking about this here in America, this weirdly experimental sci-fi comics magazine with a bunch of croissant-smelling, fucking crazy, cheese-eating French motherfuckers? Frogs. I think frogs is the preferred nomenclature, dude. Sure. Hey, Laura, why, where, where did the heavy metal part of it come from? So heavy, heavy metal magazine is the American translation of it. Uh, but, uh, the, the reason why they had to, uh, sort of do it in magazine format and not comics format is because of the comics code authority. Uh, this is, this was one sort of way that they got around the comics code because mad magazine did the same thing where they, they, they sort of circumvented the code by going magazine format, which didn't have the same restrictions as the, uh, as the comics code. Now, by the 70s, underground comics uh, would have existed. So this was, this was a, uh, an actual mainstream, mainstream effort at running at that market. Hmm. Actually, the fun fact about National Lampoon is I guess they were the ones that published it as heavy metal. There you go. In the U.S. Um, and yeah, your, the production code was... Uh, a thing that would prevent people from being on newsstands. Uh, 
with explicit content, and they, they were getting around that by being a news, a, a, a magazine, much like Mad did. Um, all of the underground comics just wouldn't be on newsstands and would go through underground distributors instead, like through head shops and shit. Um, I think at first it was the, the American version, heavy metal. Uh, I guess I should say metal herlong translates into screaming metal. So that's, that's why it's heavy metal in America, I guess. Um, initially it was reprints of the Europe translated reprints of the European material, but eventually it started to include its own stuff as well. Uh, published from 77 to present. So unlike Harlant, it never quite went away. There's a, I mean, there's a small but vocal crowd that, that still reads this magazine. I mean, and have since the 70s, you know? Well, and there's a third thing that's a factor in its popularity. And I think particularly in the, the English-speaking world, because I don't know how popular it is in places where they speak fake languages. But uh, there was a film called Heavy Metal. Two of them. That was released. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> really there's one film called Heavy Metal that anyone gives a single fuck about. It came out in 1981. It was a sort of anthology animated film. Uh, it's pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> it has very little to do with the material that we read today, but is what a lot of people's impression of Heavy Metal is. Yeah. Both from that show and from parodies of it. For instance, I, the, I think the pretty classical South Park parody of it, wherein uh, Kyle's dad starts huffing cat urine and starts hallucinating uh, a, a series of images very strongly based on the Heavy Metal film. <laughs> very telling that you uh, talked more about the, uh, the parody than you did the film itself. Uh, well, what, what are some of the hallmarks of the film? Do you want uh, uh, I, the only one I remember is the one from the cover of the Valkyrie <laughs> that story. Well, I mean, yeah, we should go to the film to some extent because we're not going to be doing the film for further yeah. ado because that would be very obvious. <laughs> and also because it sucks and I don't want to rewatch it. Um, Heavy Metal is a film. It, it's, in, it's in sort of an anthology format. It has a framing device around this little girl that is being attacked by this magic orb uh, after her astronaut dad lands his Corvette and then dies. That's right. Yes, the car. I, I remember the car now that you said that too. Yeah. That opening sequence is pretty fun. Uh so the orb keeps showing her different images of like this evil that it represents throughout different worlds, but they're not really very well connected. And most of the time the orb just kind of seems to be full of shit and killing time. <laughs> uh, like there's one that shows her of like this guy in a world, you know, a world war two bomber who like they fly into some sort of dead zone and all the crew become zombies, which is my favorite of the, of the little bits in it. Uh, but don't know what the fuck that has to do with a magic orb, but you know, whatever. I guess the orb turns them into zombies and then we just watch this weird little... Okay, orb. I remember that now too, yeah. Uh, God, this thing was more formative than I recall. <laughs> there's a story where there's a cab driver who gets involved in, in a future cab driver, like in a flying cab. It gets involved... Like in the in fifth element. Um... 
There's one where John Candy is a nerdy kid that gets transported to another dimension where he becomes a super big warrior guy. Um, I think that one's definitely based on stories from the from the comics anthology. It would seem they all are, according to the Wikipedia thing. Okay. Um, there is one that's just about a bunch of stoner aliens. Like, that really doesn't make any fucking sense in the context of the, the film. Um, there's one about this sleazy space captain who pays somebody off to try and get him out of a crime. Are you doing this from memory? Yeah. Oof. Well done, Josh. I've seen it literally two times. <laughs> um, and then the framing story, eventually it comes back that this orb is trying to murder this little girl because she's the last descendant of these super boob warrior ladies that are going to fight it. And then I can't remember if the little girl turns into a super boob warrior or if there's one other one that comes to save her. But they like kill the evil. And that boob warrior was named Metroid. <laughs> Tarna, I believe. <laughs> that, that actually might be true. No, that's true. I know it's Tarna. Yeah, I'm sure he knows. <laughs> well, I've seen the I've seen the graphic novel, the Tarna one. I think you might have spoiled Metroid for for Aura, though. I wasn't <laughs> listening. To a spoiler tag. A spoiler tag. <laughs> Spoiler, uh, Metroid is a pretty lady. <laughs> this what is... if Zelda was a girl? <laughs> yeah, see, it's it's that times a million. Like, people talk about calling Link Zelda, the Metroid people, fucking just fuming all the time. <laughs> is anybody, is that a thing that people have about that? I do know that the Metroids are the creatures and the, the characters. Yeah, yeah, people, real big fans, like most, it's not as vocal as like the Zelda people. But uh, people call Samus Metroid like all the time. No, I should have not corrected it just to keep those people pissed off. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the newest uh, edition of Mega Man that's supposed to come out. Mega Man looks like a pretty lady on one of the covers. Uh, oh. He looked like a pretty lady on the original cover too. <laughs> well, maybe mm. not a pretty lady. Looks like a pretty man, maybe. <laughs> then that is becomes a pretty thing. And now uh, Ratchet and Clank is a girl, too. <laughs> the damn feminazis. The, the femboy. Femboy uh, Ratchet. That's bullshit. I'm going to go write a review of Last of Us 2. <laughs> <laughs> Still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> I haven't even played the first Last of Us. Uh, it's a good game. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure it is. I just <laughs> so, many, so many fucking games. God. Uh, so heavy metal seems to be turning its uh, eyes towards trying to be a uh, parlay some of its its stories into into other media. Because uh, again, I'm drawing from Wikipedia here because I don't I don't actually know much about heavy metal either. But uh, it uh, they they appear to be like firing up some Netflix things and trying yeah. to. There's periodically they take all of the the humanoids press stuff, which was the press formed by Mobius and all of them for all of their Euro sci-fi comics. Periodically they try and make humanoid stuff stick in America. I think they're under the impression that the, a movie about the fact that a movie about a boob warrior did well in America means that there's a market for their like ponderous 
French sci-fi. Okay, so which is unfortunately not for them not really very true. I can uh, I can help the French out here just and tell them how they can make some of this stuff stick and like get people on it, make it fucking cheaper, because every time they make a run at this with that with the euro stuff, it's friggin' like these you know ninety six page graphic novels for forty fucking bucks or whatever, mm-hmm. and American audiences just won't knuckle down for that. <laughs> I was just looking up uh, the Meta Baron stuff because we were talking about that. And I don't know. I've read a little bit of it and it seemed interesting enough. Kind of a weird Dune knockoff. So I was like, maybe there's a, a good collected edition of it. Uh, you can buy a complete for 150 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And the complete, <laughs> no. the complete is like 300 pages or something, isn't it? Like it's not even a ton of, it's not a ton of material. Yeah, I don't think it's that long. It's like a hardcover slipcase set, apparently. That I will never own because That's, it's $150 for some Euro comics that I don't know that well. Like I said, every time they do this, except once when they co-published with DC, DC Comics did soft cover versions of their books, but they only did like the first two volumes and then DC threw in the towel and was like, eh, never mind, nobody cares. Yeah. And it was just like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> like so many... So many people know the name Mobius, but at most comic book stores, the only book that I ever see that actually is Mobius books is that like big hardcover art of Mobius, which isn't an actual story. It's just like a collected gallery. And then they never have any of the the actual stuff or any translation because it's exactly the same reason. It's too expensive to carry like consistently. And, and that's a part of the segue somewhat nicely to programming this episode because I wanted to do this. We'll, we'll give people a little behind the scenes here, I guess. Uh, I'd, I'd acquired and watched the Metal Harlant TV series, uh, which I, I, was, I thought was fun. Uh, I won't get into too much for the review for reasons that you'll find out at the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> but so I wanted to program a Metal Harlant uh, heavy metal episode because I thought that would be fun. Um, what I really wanted to do was contrast some of the more modern stuff with some of the like classic seventies stuff, but Jesus fucking Christ, can you not track that shit down easily? Oh no, not there, at all. There's no, like you can't go out and buy like, Oh, here's a uh, Mobius's shit from a uh, seventies heavy metal. Like here's a collected of it. You'll, you'll, if you look up Mobius, you'll find like the in call and you'll find like, well, Voyage to a Dean Edna, and you'll find all this shit and no indication whatsoever as to how it fits within the arc of his career in this magazine. I can I can tell you some of it has to do with rights stuff because in Europe the rights are all fucked up on all all of these things. So, yeah. um, I mean, you'd think if there's I guess there's just not enough of a market for it. Like typically stuff like this, there's even even when there's rights confusion, if there's any money to be made in it, somebody eventually just fucking hacks through it but it doesn't seem to be the case here. And it's very annoying because all both of the things that we're reviewing are going to be newer stuff. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, a, uh, it is unfortunate that they don't try to try to give you a cheaper inroad other than, and yeah. I mean, I sort of understand why they, they do the, because the French comic book industry is very proud of its tradition of doing those, um, portfolio size things 
Uh, and you know those means that the french culture industries are very french (laughs) because they are (laughs) i mean the the american comic book industry is weird in that it's a lot like the japanese comic book industry but really wants to be the french comic book industry (laughs) you know well i think the thing that guides american culture industries is then yeah, money. We're Americans. We'll sell you fucking anything. We'll sell you our mom's leg for like five bucks if we need five bucks. Uh, there's a big concern in France about cultural purity. Like there's a lot of laws regarding the amount of foreign media influence on it. They actually have, like one of my favorite facts about the French is that they have the, as part of the Académie Française, they have an organization that has to officially approve loan words into French. They're not officially French until this organization has decided that they are. And they, and they don't just let any words in. Like, Franglais is, is a thing that they try and frown upon and control by, by not allowing a certain number of fucking words into their language every year, as though that were a thing you could do. <laughs> well, they, they're, um, their general, like, arts budget is, like, significantly higher, too. I feel like their these especially like talking about these specific comic artists like something that's different about heavy metal now i feel like is the whole anthology of it definitely helps prop up more independent creators and get their names out whereas like i said mobius is like the huge truck and name behind a lot of this early 70s and especially the french stuff and it's because it was like not really like almost a serialized job for them is to make multiple different unique worlds and short stories and etc not really having to tie all of that stuff together yeah i know a guy who did a heavy metal cover oh you do yep one of the guys i interviewed for my dissertation that was recent he did uh he did a heavy metal cover was it a boob robot cover no, his is uh his stuff is usually more horror stuff. Oh, cool! So it's it's like a scaly worm thing, if I recall. Cody's just sad it's not a boob robot. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I have on my notes for things to talk about with regards to uh, heavy metal is uh is is boob robots sex bots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and ironically, the notes are covering one up on your copy of it, I think. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's sex <laughs> robot right there. Well, there's so many, like, iconic things that obviously, in a, in a more zeitgeisty way, like, people attribute certain trends in sci-fi to older movies, things like Fifth Element, The Thing, and Dune. But then you look at those people, and those are all filmmakers basing their stuff on this stuff and then these people are creators based on other things that they see around them and then stretched and distorted yeah they're all very influential on each other and i would well, i would really like to fucking know how that they were able to influence these people since you can't get this fucking material very easily in america <laughs> i mean it's it's weird that heavy metal has this same sort of story as as captain marvel in some ways are, are you guys sort of familiar with the Shazam Captain Marvel? Yeah, yeah, it's it's all licensing BS. 
well, it's you know it starts uh, you know in in America with with uh, with uh, Captain Marvel, and then Captain Marvel, like he gets uh, he gets sued uh, in you know in the fifties, but the strip was popular enough in Europe that they just kept going. Like after after the American stuff had stopped, like and. But they, you know, instead of calling him Captain Marvel over there, they had already called him Marvel Man. And then Marvel Man goes in, you know, in Europe forever, uh, having, you know, thousands of issues, you know, uh, until 1986 when they want to re-import the character back over. Uh, they have to call him Miracle Man because of the obvious reasons. There's a company named Marvel that would be upset if you had Marvel Man here, Right. Mm -hmm. um and it and it just it's this whole fun thing uh where you know the importing and the exporting and now like metal hurlant like is the same way where you know we imported it and then we had the original stories and now they're re-importing that crap you know (laughs) like but i think there's sort of for the sake of getting into moving us to the discussion i think there's sort of two in, in that divergent straight, you see two different visions of what they are. There's the Metal Hurlant vision of weird sci-fi, uh, like sort of a, a, a literary continuing, or a, a comic continuing of certain literary trends of stuff like Dune. Um, and then the movie Boob Robot, like <laughs> Barbarian Lady with Ass Cheeks Hanging Out uh, aesthetic. <laughs> which was somewhat a part of these comics. Like they were adult, but in a more incidental way, because that was more acceptable in Europe. Like do nobody you, really cared as much. I don't think. Do you have any past with this, Josh? Did you ever deal with heavy metal or metal hurlant? Just the movie. How about you, Cody? Uh, zeitgeist stuff. Like sure. I said, more, more people being affected and then like tracing that line back eventually. I was aware of the movie cause it was the same thing. Like blockbusters and old movie rental stores would like, that's a very, very iconic poster. And it's kind of funny cause we're talking about it. The series really is synonymous with anthology. It's kind of the, the example I was going to use is it's directly like a more, sci-fi like sci-fi the channel vibe of a twilight zone type of thing like almost all these stories are very bleak like none of them have a super positive and that's kind of that horror element too those like tales to shock and astonish sometimes they end positively but more often than not it's uh it's already you know a doomed environment a doomed landscape something along those lines but then the covers are all like the things yeah. that you associate visually with heavy metal is exactly that because of the movie it's Amazon, it's big boobs. Like the South Park joke is all about the, like <laughs> you never get to see her nipples. Like these big <laughs> boobs are out there. And yeah. it's so funny. Cause that's like the exact going over the, the point of most of it was like, Oh, take in all this different stuff all at once in one go. Yeah. And I think it shows the dangers of producing uh, quote-unquote adult content in the media that people think of as somewhat juvenile because uh, some people will just be there for the, the to see the uh, to see the Nippolopolis. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a I had a buddy growing up who was super into the heavy metal movie, 
Like he loved it. And mm. that's that's why I was surprised when you were going by memory, Josh, because I've seen this thing I don't know, 10, 15 times. Like I've seen this movie a ton of times because he just loved it so much. And I couldn't remember a goddamn thing from it because it's just sort of forgettable anthology stuff, you know? And it's very um, poorly animated. Yeah. Uh, but uh, poorly animated. I don't know. I didn't see it until I was an adult. So that was my. The thing is, like, when I got into sort of hippie era uh, comics with an X. Okay, actually, pause animation, right there. Because that is a part action. of the deal here for a second is this is the, the like this movie is you know kind of steeped in boomer hippie culture too a little bit yes sorry There's go on that whole sort of tolkien uh uh interest in genre that some hippies had yeah yeah where they turned these things suddenly into where they turned to the work of a semi-racist linguist who was obsessed with uh with anglo-saxon myth into uh, a weird hippie thing, probably mostly because of Treebeard and fucking uh, Tom Bombadillo. <laughs> I remember when that first movie came out, like Digression, and everybody was like, "Where's Tom Bombadillo?" And I was like, "Tom Bombadillo is nowhere near a good fucking movie. Is where he is." <laughs> Tom Bombadillo can Haiti ho the fuck himself off of. <laughs> that shit is weak. <laughs> okay, wasn't the so the heavy metal movie wasn't that also a Ralph Bakshi thing? Or was he just uh, I don't involved? think Ralph Bakshi was actually involved with the heavy metal movie. Gotcha. Well, that... uh, he was involved in a movie called Wizards, which Wizards. was all kinds of sci-fi stuff. Yeah. And that was more the stuff that I was into. Well, um, I know tangentially this like heavy metal let me, scene let me double is, check is definitely like influenced by a lot of that stuff too, and especially we're talking about like that that boomer hippie era. That was exactly why I made the connection because I know Wizards is clearly that same heavy metal style it's it's kate it's the uh it's the hercules thing the is it frazetta is that artist too yeah, oh, yeah. frank frazetta the, the van art like barbarian guy yeah all that stuff it, it, it you find out that like all of these things start like bridging and connecting and even if they're not related it's like <laughs> nobody at heavy metal was not like oh yeah this isn't cool <laughs> like these big guys in loincloths like because you said something about the World War II thing. That's what I've noticed. Every single issue of heavy metal, no matter what, seems to have some story with heavy World War II aesthetics because they mm -hmm. love that shit. And there's always... Very horror influenced. Yeah, there's always Coliseum stuff. It's either sci-fi Coliseum or just straight up Coliseum. It's that like machismo gladiator thing. Definitely. There's these consistent pings that sometimes become popular in their own right with something like spartacus or blade runner you know etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah but it's so accessible because any any joe schmo can be like oh i have an idea and a that's a noir set in a rainy future city that has floaty cars and you can just make it because nobody has a license for that thing but we all can like instantly see it and recognize it as one of those tropes <laughs> looking at you cyberpunk well i you know so i came across the heavy metal magazine pretty early uh in fact i kind of remember it's 200th issue being published and now i'm looking at this and seeing that it's rolling up on the 300th issue being published so uh so i i 
I had read this magazine a little bit before. Um, and Cody's exactly right. There's always some sort of like World War II story. Like every one of these issues kind of kind of hits the same beats, uh, you know, and it has mm. for a number of years. It's, it's interesting because um, some number of years ago, Grant Morrison uh, was, and I still, I was trying to look up if he still was, but Grant Morrison took this thing over and like promised that it was going to be, you know, something else and <laughs> the editor grant morrison contributes to one of the stories and it's he well he's the editor-in-chief according to the wikipedia site and there is no editor-in-chief listed in the opening credits on at least the two the two issues we had here so kevin eastman on the other hand is credited as still being an editor on the book so um <laughs> if you want to talk about that ninja turtle aesthetic for a bit you know like it's you know he's still in there too well there was you know, ninja turtles were very much a descendant of that sort of comics with an x scene as well i think yeah and the very inky. frank miller which i will always support <laughs> it's that inky like lithograph comics zine like looking thing yeah inky but then you also, even in the Metal Herlant book that we read, it's got one whole story that's all by, like, Jeff Johns. So you clearly see, like, every now and then you hit somebody who is what is considered, like, an industry standard who is going to bring, like, that degree of work to it. But you can also have people who, in one of the heavy metals, I hadn't even realized there's a guy that I follow on Instagram, Matt Emmons, and he had a... Uh, a whole story in one of these heavy metal issues that we have that just came out recently that was no text. It's all a long armed robot that looks kind of like that uh, castle in the sky studio Ghibli, like really long armed robot, like finding a baby and like saving a baby in the middle of a wasteland. But I was like, it's really cool. Cause I know for a fact that that guy's not a huge person. He's a Midwest like Comic-Con guy who makes money selling prints and zines and buttons and t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, uh, actually, facet of how the, what the purpose these uh, anthology things serve, because you always have to pump up an anthology. Like, it'll usually be anchored around. Like, one of the issues we have does have a Grant Morrison one. I did see that. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Seeley is anchoring the other one, I think. You, you know, you have the big anchor one that you're trying to grab somebody off the newsstand with, right? But you got to fill the rest of the magazine as well. So you'll get a lot of – that's where a lot of people – make their way into the industry i think traditionally through things like this mm -hmm. i even think you see that in superhero comics with the annuals where they'll have several the ones that will have several stories like here's five spider-man stories in an oversize uh and a lot of freelancers and uh, relatively low tier people i think i think it cut out a little bit at the end there yeah I'll get you, Spider-Man. I wasn't saying anything that interesting. It was it was just the tail end. I heard I heard almost all of it. It might have been the last like two words that you had said. But yeah, that the uh, Spider-Man being in uh, multiple stories in one anthology. Yeah, I was I'm always fond of anthology books for that reason. It's a good way to expose yourself to new people. It's a good way to give opportunities to people that aren't quite at the career level where they're going to anchor a big book yet. You know, it's interesting with comic stuff too, especially on this show where most of the time we we do the comics first before you know consuming some other form of media. 
but every single comics person, if they are a writer or an uh, illustrator where that is what they are known for specifically comic books, they're not known for one thing. It's always lots of stuff. And it's because it, every single time it's like, you have to have this massive ground body of work and through all those you learn from different people, the different way that different magazines edit most of these people. And it's not just like Marvel versus DC, like all the people, Grant Morrison, that's a crossover person. Frank Miller's a crossover person. And I think that's why these things, if I can soapbox for a minute, I think that's why these kinds of anthology magazines are very important to the industry. Um, when stuff like Mad Magazine goes down, I think it decreases opportunities for people that are in like do comedy writing, for instance, uh, for Mad Magazine. Uh, you remember, and, uh, you remember Halo and Sprocket? Yeah. Uh, Kerry Callan has been making his nut from Mad Magazine strips, actually. And I so, did see him in some of those issues. Yeah. And so when these magazines go down, it fucking sucks. So uh, supporting the anthology. <laughs> you see one somewhere at any level, buy one. Look, uh, the thing about anthologies, man, I love anthologies. Uh, they, uh, and I've read a lot of them. Uh, they aren't all winners. Like not every story in there. But if you catch the one or two that you're like, man, that really talked to me. I mean, you, you sort of, you, you made, you know, yeah. you made your day. Yeah. And if nothing else, you'll get, you know, there's a bunch of people that maybe sometime will do something else that you'll be like, oh, I saw that person way back when. But it, it is a, an issue. You get to brag of, like Cody did earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a part of anthologies is definitely, in any kind of anthology, like film anthologies are kind of similar, um, are that you're always going to get a mixed bag. <laughs> pretty much always it's rare to get an anthology that fucking fully fires usually you're gonna get some good stuff and then some shit that you're just like well it's also nice because it it, (laughs) it'll just always appeal to so many different people the more the 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 bigger difference that you have but still within a genre or a niche is perfect because exactly like that the of the five like episodic things on vhs two or three of them might be my favorites and josh might hate those but you love vhs because you like the other two i'm just throwing out an example i don't know if you like that series or not uh there's a few within it that are okay (laughs) (laughs) it's a point in case there's several that are very dumb i think the first one was the the really the one that was had the best material in it yeah i i think so I think there was one that was one of a, a story told through computer screen that was really cool, if I recall. In the first VHS. That sounds right. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that one. It was one of the better examples of that conceit that we've, because there was like a boom in those, like that, un, the unfriended boom, and most of them were pretty fucking terrible. God, yeah. <laughs> that, the one in VHS I really liked. It's like you sit in, you sit at, pay ten dollars to go to a movie theater and watch like an hour and a half long facebook ad that's what it feels like for those horror movies and then you look down from the balcony and you see that watching it is a bunch of kids who are on their fucking socials while they're doing it are 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 we gonna are we gonna get a zoom (laughs) uh horror movie soon (laughs) uh I, i mean there have already been horror movies that are like webcam based you want you want something specifically branded zoom though 
I mean, Unfriended kind of was, if you think about it. We it saw, me and you saw that. that one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the movie sucked. Yeah, I didn't love it. <laughs> it looked real bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, Mr. Smiley was the YouTube one where it was like yeah. after the rise of things like Omegle and Chat Roulette, it was like a horror idea based around <laughs> that, that somebody could yeah. follow you home. Fucking so many of them, and they're such a bad. And that's how it is with the genre. There'll be an idea, and like one person will get it well, and everybody else. There'll be a bunch of people that are that get the idea, but it fucking loses it in translation. They're like, oh, this is the new Blair Witch found footage thing. Is doing a uh, webcam horror movie. Isn't it so spooky that you can't see behind you at all times? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's talk about the the particular things here. Um, so we want to, let's start with the Metal Herlant collection, uh, which is a collection of, and I was sad when I got it because I had thought that it was going to be a collection of original Metal Herlant stuff from back in the day, but it's from the relaunch in the 2000s. And it's, again, it's mostly English language authors, many of them fairly well known. And I was like, I like Mike Carey, but... I really wanted something different. Um, yeah. The second issue for me is that I'd already seen the TV series by the time I read it. Uh, and I'm, I'm about to spoil something for you guys if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, almost all of those episodes come from that collection there. Oh. You're going to be re-experiencing some stories. Uh, Cody, we could have just watched the movie and not read the book. I will I will instead be pretending like I saw the movie and just going off of what I read in the book. <laughs> well, we'll know that Cody hadn't uh, hasn't actually seen the series when he starts talking about like the boob lady and her bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you oh, that re- red light time. Jeff Johns episode? <laughs> That's not what happened. Uh so since this is a collection of some of this, and I don't believe it's a complete of any of the issues, it's a, uh, a collection of the best from these relaunch. Which, uh, like, I don't love that idea. <laughs> like, I don't either. It's kind of against the anthology thing. Like, I would rather have a complete. Yeah. And get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, yeah. and I will say that the its its hit rate is pretty good as a graphic novel. Like, most of the stories, I think, are above average, at least in some way um I'm, I'm the only one without a copy in front of me so i can't go through and check all of them but um so that is that's that's not gonna help me thank you <laughs> um i liked the kurt busiek story the the kind of painted one about the the aeroplane about the aeroplane well, I guess it's sort of space shuttle-y. What happens in it? <laughs> the, uh... This guy... Uh... Kind of... He gets on this airplane and he sits next to a dude who gets, who's being all weird. You remember it now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Was there somewhere you wanted to go with go this? Go ahead, Cody. Go ahead what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was, uh... Oh, that's not what that story was at all. (laughs) Fucking... (laughs) Nothing! (laughs) This this is why Aura doesn't do the synopsis. That is correct. (laughs) 
I ran it together with uh, with something else, apparently. Go or on. Or just now reading Metal Herlant. <laughs> no, I have, I have like, four stories noted here. Uh, Which ones are you noted? The the one with the soul-stealing camera thing. Yeah. Uh, that one was uh, interesting, because I was like, oh, man, like, why didn't they talk about selfies in that, that story? Um. <laughs> And I'm not sure when this was. Were selfies selfies were probably a thing by the time this is a 2007 relaunch. Yeah, can't remember if selfies were a thing in 2007. Me neither, I guess. They were um, selfies were a thing in 2007. Another story that I noted was the one where. I forgot that we. I forgot that we left and came back. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, listeners, we left and came back. Somebody <laughs> was making a point about something. <laughs> I'm sure. It wasn't very good. It was just that I liked some of the stories. Uh, the one in particular that uh, you seem to have clipped out during was the point that I was going to point out to you. It was one of these stories looked like a Paul Pope kind of guy. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed that right away. This uh, overdose yeah. uh, story from here. Uh, it feels like heavy liquid too, like yeah. a little bit. Uh-huh. So let's see. Uh, any other stories in there, in particular, that you found good, Cody, or interesting? In in the Metal Hurlant book, if that's the one that we're talking about right now. Yep. Yep. Then yeah, it was definitely that other. Uh, this uh, this is the one that had let me find the name of it the <laughs> the one that I thought was the funniest call to arms is that is the World War Two trope one but it's uh, just a soldier who has lost his arms and it's like five pages of stumbling around looking at other people to try to help him but they are also yeah. all like incapacitated in some way and that's it that's all that yeah, I happened think, I think that one's in the graphic novel yeah yeah. Then uh, same thing, uh, Matt Emmons in one of the individual issues. I I follow that guy, so I can definitely. I don't know if I would say vouch for him, but I really like his his sci-fi art. And then um, the art is by DPI for Overdose, or maybe it's a DPI. But I like the uh, art style of that. This definitely looked like something I would read. And then the photo taker is. Guy yeah. Davis, who is a, uh, if you're a Hellboy fan, that name is synonymous with Mignolaverse stuff. Yeah. And, uh, Aura was saying that he was also impressed by that one in case that got cut off by the great, uh, the great, the great fall of civilization. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I didn't hear that one, but the, the photo taker was definitely like one of those. It's still bleak, but it's a it's a much lighter take on that. Almost a uh, you get what you deserve karma sort of thing. It kind of it's kind of an expressionist story. I felt yeah, it was trying to evoke like between war European art tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There's a story I really liked in there. That's the uh, the spaceship one with all of the people that are trying to escape in the escape pod and they're losing oxygen. 
if you guys remember that one. Is that the first one, or is that the one where they get blasted back to being Adam and Eve? Uh, not that one. <laughs> uh, the one where there's there's like an explosion on a spaceship, and three people are trying to get away in an escape pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, like they're the- running out of oxygen because of there's an oxygen leak, and then like they eventually turn on each other. Uh, but the first one is like a guy who did a spacewalk, and they refused to let back in. And they're just like, well, we need yes. the oxygen, so you're just going to die out there. And it turns out that guy survives because there was an oxygen tank that was that had yeah, a, did chill it yeah, in the hole. It was a rock or something. Yeah. Very Twilight Zoney. That's also one of the ones that's on the series. Uh, I very much enjoy both forms of it. Uh, it. Has that Twilight Zone symmetry, but with like more of a sci-fi edge. Mm-hmm. There was a um, what is it? it was some Hulu thing that had Bobcat Goldwaith recently that did it was supposed to be like a horror anthology I can't remember what it was but it I, it was the same thing where you, you call it a horror anthology but most of the time it ends up being closer to like a, a catch-all sci-fi thing hmm. all of them are based on some degree of magic or fantasy or future tech that doesn't exist but they're all stories rooted in what you can understand with little uh with little backstory presented yeah and uh one of the ones that aura talked about again i don't know if it was caught in the 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 deleted the, the 10 minutes we deleted for richard nixon um is the one where there it's the elderly people who are drawing obscene drawings through their daily wanderings. Yeah. It's a fun story. Uh, that isn't at all science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Weird stuff. It's just, a, it's just a little joke. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, I did. I, I found the anthology and the works in it pretty good, although I was a little disappointed that many of them were stories that I was already somewhat familiar with. Um, and I missed the. Because the thing about having. The thing that you lose when you take the best stories from anthologies is you lose the arc of the anthology. Like, like an issue of an anthology will sometimes. And, I would, I would contend in a sort of Scott McCloud way, whether they mean to or not, will create connections between the stories to create a sort of meta story of that issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, you, when you pluck out all the best stories from an anthology, you lose that. So. It's like the, it's, it's also the guy behind doing things uh, like the, the closest example that I can think of right now is the fact that like every season now Rick and Morty does an anthology episode and the first two were interdimensional cable, which is the same thing. It's got some loose joke thing that's tying them all together, but then it was Morty's mind blowers. And then in the season, the fourth season, it changes even more from that like anthology or jokes about being a meta anthology type of thing was the the arc this season for that episode and then about sriracha sauce i don't know kids are into the (laughs) gotta get that sauce (laughs) szechuan i think szechuan that's it um (laughs) yeah so so that that gets lost when you like if you plucked bits out of that and just showed the best bits from that it wouldn't be the same Exactly. Lose, you'd lose the cohesion. Um. So that's. I mean, it's nice to have some of this material, but overall, I I, I just I wish it had been something else. It would be my 
my take on the metal, the recent metal Herlant. And this was released this year, I believe. It's very recent. It was this year or last year, the end of it. Yeah. So, I bet I know what happened. I bet it's right stuff because yeah, since probably. the old metal Herlant stuff was heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, and it, it ended up it ended up being translated. That stuff's probably owned by heavy metal. This stuff was not, you know, was created original for humanoids. So I bet that's why the, that ended up being this, not what you wanted. Almost definitely. Uh, did we want to talk about anything else from the Metal Herlant graphic novel? Or can we, should we go on to the issues? Talking about our many issues. Issues. And many crippling issues that mean I will never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, reading these, the the individual magazines, it reminded me of Saga, like reading uh, uh, images Saga a little bit, like in that, you know, uh, Saga seems to. I wonder how much there's influence there. You yeah. know? Cause, uh, cause like, have you, how far into saga are you, Josh? Uh, I didn't get, I read like maybe two graphic novels worth before okay. I lost an issue somewhere in there and was just like, fuck it. And, and Cody's over it, right? I just, no, I mean, I just bought the big compendium like this weekend. Oh, Okay. And I had to read a bunch of heavy metals, so I haven't started. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I recall now. Uh, there's influence here. There's got to be because some of the characters that appear in Saga feel very heavy metal influenced. And some of the contrivances that the, the characters run through in their, in their adventures. I mean, it's not anthology feeling, but it is very, you know... Um, side quest heavy shall i say i mean i think saga is very influenced by that european sci-fi style that jodorowsky and yeah were, were heavy part of i'd agree so we read issues 90 296 and 297 and i do believe me and cody actually read 298 even though josh uh did not yeah, I got excluded as usual. Uh, I didn't think to buy a third issue, but uh, no, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, it's ready for you whenever you want it, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Maybe you can get it to me. Give get it to me for my birthday. Oh damn! <laughs> is it? Is that too soon? Is that what's happening right now? It was yesterday, you your motherfucker. Birthday, your birthday was yesterday. Facebook didn't tell me that. Yep. And I went through the entire call not mentioning it so that I could try and uh, be a jerk about it on this call. <laughs> oh, you mean last night's thing? Yep. Oh, well, there you go. You won. You're a terrible friend. You're the worst friend. It just means you don't get a gift this year because, uh, damn, your birthday passed and I, and I am a terrible friend. Yep. Hey Elizabeth. Tied up in escrow. Come you here know. a second. Yes. I thought about 
wish your friend Josh a happy birthday. Oh, oh God. Happy birthday, Josh. Thanks, Elizabeth. Happy birthday. That's it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a set. I almost, when we were on the call last night, when we were playing Trivia Murder Party, yeah. uh, when both you and Elizabeth decided to screw me on the... Oh, yeah. Day, You're I like, thought I was saying, and on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. That that would have been funny, and that would have Should been have. a much better setup than this, which Moment now is just like, well, okay, glad you didn't tell me. <laughs> just decided, you know, I could make this Zoom game with friends about me, but I would rather make a, a permanent podcast episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Self-centered. <laughs> Cody didn't wish you a happy birthday either. Yeah, but you know, that's true. I picked up a book from you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, millennials, they don't treasure things. <laughs> uh, friends are the, are the best renewable resource we have. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Josh. Happy birthday. Uh, You're the most renewable, one of the most renewable resources. That just sounds terrible saying it all together. He's, uh, he's going to... Uh... He's going to grind you up and put you in his gas tank if you're not careful, Josh. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. <laughs> do, do we have more to say about this? Is it trash or treasure time? <laughs> Where are we at? You don't, you don't want to talk about the magazines at all? We, we have. I've been, I, I mentioned Matt Emmons like multiple times. The magazines were okay. I mean, it's it's difficult to separate out the content of the magazines and the because they're kind of just the fucking same. It's yeah, it's it's what we've been talking about. Goofier. Oh, I thought we were talking about the the graphic novel that whole time. We were, but I mean, they weren't that different. Yeah, the the individual issues are split up versions of what the graphic novel is. Well, okay. I appreciated so, that the, the graphic novel didn't make me read a bunch of shit about graffiti art. That I that's what I was going to say. These text pieces. About. I I mean that's that's what makes them distinct in some ways. Uh, you know, is uh, and I, you read heavy metal for the articles. I mean, if it were in my bathroom, I might. <laughs> no, you would be jerking off to the fucking titty robots. We all know it. Or the. Or or the uh, Andre the Giant poster. <laughs> yeah, the Shepard Fairy Obey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like Shepard Fairy. I kind of picked this up because I thought it was a comics magazine, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it it was weird. You know, street art one was weird. I used to. Uh, su- uh, I've never subscribed to heavy metal, but I used to subscribe to Juxtapose. So I, I definitely get it. It's uh, Juxtapose is the same thing, except it's more magazine in presentation. I want to say it's longer than the heavy metal individual issues are, but it would be the same thing. It's like multiple interviews with artists that do other stuff. It's short comics, poems, like that same type of thing, all centered around just visual media. Yeah, I think I've read Juxtapose a few times as well. It's yeah. It's pretty good. So, I like it. Heavy metal is definitely more of the comics side of it if you want more one or the other. But both of them I feel like accomplish pretty similar goals. Yeah. I think my thing about the street art thing is it feels a little bit like Steve Buscemi, hello fellow teenagers. Like <laughs> they're cool with street art. I'm Kevin Eastman. <laughs> well, 
I created something that you cared about when you were three. I liked the I liked the street art issue better than the holiday special. I felt the other way around. (laughs) I don't know. I don't ever like holiday specials though. Me neither. Except our holiday special, which is the best holiday special. The only good holiday specials are Halloween or uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Like (laughs) the bar has been set, so why why even try if you're not going to hit that? I will say I didn't find any of the comics in it uh, in either issue especially interesting or memorable. That's accurate because uh, I I was looking at my little note uh, the notes that I put uh, and I don't have any notes in the street art one <laughs> but I have two notes in the holiday special one. One of them was uh, the black metal messiah. Yeah. Um. Was your note, why is this entire thing exposition and flashback? Right. But it has the it has the, the death pilgrim, though. Yeah. So that's fun. And then the other one, the other note that I had was these, I don't know, meme things that this other, that this one artist created. Yeah, the Christmas cards? Yeah. And, uh, I'd have to get some of those. <laughs> the Walmart one was the one that I, I marked in particular. Well, okay. there used to be an in here, Joseph said, shaking his head, which is like every family vacation I went on with my dad, you know? <laughs> I like the turkey centipede. The human centipede? It was a turkey centipede. I, I, I... It was under, it's on the first page of the interview that it's anchored with. Oh, okay. The, the very bottom of the page. Oh, look at the cute little elf girl. <laughs> Yeah, the cute little elf girl is the one that stands out the most to me as like the I don't understand. Is this part of it? Is this observational humor? Are we go? Are, is this ironic, or was this really somebody's like genuine thing? Uh, I think those are all designs by the artist that is interviewed prior to it. Right. Because, yeah. Like sort of atheist Christmas cards. Well, because yeah, there's the one that's just like the the deer lying on the ground with the deep fried meme like filter. I thought that was pretty funny too. Season's beatings. Yeah. So it's like a 1930s bear woman's ass. <laughs> there's a there's a picture of the nativity with uh, Joseph saying he has my eyes and Mary saying, "Well, I have something I need to tell you." <laughs> so, um, I liked the spirit of giving story, which is the Tim Seeley one in the. In the Christmas one, so I guess I went for the big one, where it's uh, in the world where there's the big timer on the moon, and everybody has to buy something by Christmas Eve or they get killed. <laughs> feels feels about right. It's uh, I mean, it's it's very in the one that follows it, which is the the Jesus is an alien thing called Black Smoke, uh, are definitely both like high school blow your mind type shit, you know. Like, like, what do you think of that, Dad? Consumer society is just robots from space blowing you up if you don't buy shit. And Jesus is an alien. <laughs> like, it it fits into that sort of trapper keepery, uh, faux edge lordy metal aesthetic. But I enjoy that a bit. Yeah. <laughs> there was one that I remember from the uh, from the individual issues that was an early one that was like. 
very, very obviously like a hyper-violence police force judge dread type thing that ends in tragedy. And it's, uh, the line was like literally, uh, it's a fucking meat grinder. We're all just meat. It's like, oh boy, how original to end your, your gruesome sci-fi tale. <laughs> Dystopian city. Oh, it's a meat grinder. I really like the character designs and art in Dr. Nihil or Nihil in, uh, in 296. It is a sort of cartoony Oh yeah, yeah. Disney style, like plague. That one feels like it's the start of a graphic novel. It definitely, and there's an ad for a uh, for a plushie <laughs> ah. or something next to it. So I assume it's somebody trying to launch a franchise off of it. Yeah. I think Cody might have frozen. Are you frozen, Cody? No, no, no. Are you talking oh. about the the one that's all bloody in that rubber hose style, or am I? This is two ninety six. Yeah. It has yeah, it has like it's very bloody and it has the uh, the plague doctor mask and a robot, yeah, exposed brain. This is the one that has a lot of um, like interview stuff as well as multiple. It's kind of cool because I mean, if you're just buying a magazine to buy a magazine, you end up with like nice pop arty like titty mini posters that you can put up in your room. As you know, like a, a twelve to fifteen year old, that's pretty cool. <laughs> They got cutout lines for for most of these things, so it's clear that there's a uh, a uh, push for that DIY aspect. You can hang it next to all of the uh, guitar guy like pullouts that you took from Guitar Magazine and, and put up on your wall. Oh yeah, it's uh it's the two ninety eight. The one that Josh doesn't have is the one that starts with that Judge Dredd story. Of course. And it's that also has the one that's like the guy that I know from other social media. This issue is actually really good. I think I read every single one, like cover to cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at this. Uh... Oh yeah. Flat color, long arm robots. It's a it's a pretty cool story. That's one of those like. It's just onomatopoeia text, and there's no actual words. But yeah, that uh, that issue was really, really good. Kind of makes me wonder how if the the 300 will be some big oversized deluxe issue or something. Yeah, I just uh, I just did an order for it today, and it's not terribly oversized, but it does have eight covers. Jesus. Uh, maybe six covers maybe six it's one is fine you get one cover <laughs> maybe a variant a single variant <laughs> oh we'll see josh <laughs> uh, all right so we've uh i think he froze up again no, you, we're all fine. We all froze up a little bit. So, yeah, if we want to try to edge this along. Cody, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear all of you. Yay. Okay. Well, let's move this to a conclusion here then. Maybe uh, disable. Cody, if you want to just disable your video, that might help. Sure. Yeah. Or we could disable ours too. Yeah, let's all just turn off our video. That'll probably. It seems like when there's too much movement, that's definitely a part of what's triggering it. 
Yeah. Well triggered. Triggered. Um. If you can say something, Cody, so we know you're still you're still there, that'd be awesome. I'm still, I'm still here for now. Okay. So uh, we've read these books. Uh, what do we think about them in terms of price? Cost? So uh, Heavy Metal uh, recently updated their subscription price. For a year subscription, it is forty nine ninety nine ninety five. An individual issue is ten bucks, and that is too much. Yeah, I I don't know if I I mean it, it's fortunate that I work at a comic book shop and can get a, a you know a little bit of an employee discount. I'm not sure I would pay ten dollars per issue for this for sure. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm on the same like seven ninety nine like that makes sense. Like the Marvel tries to sell you a ten dollar book and it's like half of this size, but so at least there's that. That's true. When magazines cross over the ten, they kind of or to the ten, they kind of lose me. It just that's just a ridiculous price to pay for a magazine. I remember when magazines were like two bucks. Two bucks. <laughs> well, I mean, for ten dollars, you if you're buying candy. individual manga issues, you got like three times the content. Yeah, and way more tentacle rape. <laughs> uh. So the metal herlon thing, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was like thirty bucks. Twenty four ninety five. Okay, that's a bit better. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's all right. It's it's okay for twenty four bucks. I so wish you, it had been better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to somebody who hasn't been exposed to as much of this stuff as we have, I think it. I think they. I think in actually in both cases, in heavy metal and metal herlon. Like this could these could blow people's minds, you know? Yeah. Oh sure. Is Cody making a point right now? No. <laughs> I don't know. I am not. The recording thing is flashing. <laughs> <laughs> the recording light is flashing. It's not paused or anything, is it? No. Re- the flashing means recording. Can you not hear okay, me? Sorry. Oh, my uh, Yeah, I can hear you. Um, you were a little cutty, but a little cutty sark. But all right, were, so we want to wrap this a up. Sex robot-y for a moment. A sex robot. A sex robot. All right. Well, you want to do one thing this week? Yeah, let's do one thing this week. Uh. I watched on the day before my birthday uh, a movie called VHS uh, on, I think it was on Hulu. It's the premise of it is that it is a videotape that of somebody's wedding that their kid finds and then tapes various things over it. Uh huh. Intermittently. Um, and it's just sort of this story about about like 80s video reality and things like that mixing with uh, parodies of like 80s. Like there's a Bob Ross parody and there's like parodies of infomercials and things. It's, it's pretty, it's hard to describe, but it's fun. Nice. 
has Thomas Lennon and Carrie, uh, Kelly, Carrie Kinney in it. So if you like them and like the state descended humor, it's uh, it's that. So uh, my thing this week, uh, I uh, for last Sunday's uh, Sunday Night Noir, I watched My Gun Is Quick, uh, a Mickey Spillane, Mike Hammer uh, thing. Uh, with Mike Bray as the as my camera this go around, um, these these uh these Mike uh mysteries are always the super pulpy ones, uh, with kind of a little bit of humor sprinkled in. But uh, this one in particular was really good. I enjoyed the cast with it. Um, it basically, it's about uh, it's about uh this this woman who gets or. Uh, he's investigating this woman who gets murdered uh who's who's uh probably a prostitute uh you know the film can't tell you that but uh you know she she works for her money according to the lines that they had um that they were able to get oh and he's back I think maybe. it's it still shows recording and it didn't output. So uh, maybe maybe keep it real brief, but we'll try to get the last of this. You you just need to do your thing and then I can blast it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, try to keep it short and simple. Uh, thing this week. Um, saga. I haven't had a chance to get into it yet, but I'm sure I will. Picked up the the one volume compendium. Is anybody else there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now we are. Okay. <laughs> it's a problem with not having video, I guess. Yeah. Tell when people are frozen. Uh, yep. So Saga. Saga. Good deal. Do it. Give it saga, a go, won't you? So uh, hey, you can find all of our shows at uh, that pod uh, that podcast fireside.fm. You can also find us on Facebook. That podcast stays up all night. Slumber party. Uh, you can subscribe, Stitcher, Google, iTunes, all of those places where you find uh, finer podcasts. There's an Instagram and a Twitter. They're never updated. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, uh, there's a sister show. It's uh, Girls Talk Comics. Uh, it's a good time. You'll enjoy that if you enjoy this one because it's much shorter than this one. Also, uh, having nothing to do with the band Girls Talk. Uh, our logo is by Abby Rosario. You can find her uh, her Instagram at rosarioart.com. Our theme music is by Ted Potter. If you have any questions about his music or you want to send us some viewer mail, you can email us at that.podcast.productions at gmail.com. What's coming up next, Josh? Uh, first, real quick, Girls Talk Comics is found at girlstalkcomics.fireside.fm. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, uh, next week we will have another episode of That Podcast Stays Up All Night where we do the movies of USA Up All Night. Uh, we're continuing to have fun in the sun in the house with a bikini beach race. Just Dana Plato, and that should be that, extra depressing. That um, movie sounds good. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll be doing further ado, the companion show of this show, where we do some media related to it. And oh, what a surprise! We're doing the Metal Herlant TV series, which is why we're doing this. Well, all right. That, uh, yeah. So, 
Cody, um, anything to add? I got nothing. I wish <laughs> I wish we could have had it all in one take, but I think it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Get your one-way ticket to midnight before they sell out. Oh, yes. <laughs>